Well, good morning, everyone, and um, Happy New Year to you. Um, and I think we all feel just a little bit better, don't we, for having had Marcus <laughs> read those uh, words to us so beautifully. Um, words from 2 Corinthians written by Paul in the New Testament uh, to talk about the hope that we hold on to, but also the hope that we held out to others and extend to others. And um, if we go back uh, a week ago, if you were able to tune in, don't worry if not, but Tim shared uh, the verses that he has uh, really been conscious that God's speaking to us through for this year uh, from Isaiah 43, saying, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Um, well, we certainly know desert at the moment. We certainly can identify with wasteland. But when God says through the prophet Isaiah, I'm doing something new, do you not perceive it? There may be many of us tuning in right now saying, no, actually, I don't. <laughs> I can't see what you're doing, God, because it's messy and it's sad and it's bleak and it's wasteland and all of that. And yet, if we really examine ourselves and society, we can also see these green shoots springing up amidst the pain that we don't in any way diminish. These rays of hope, these seeds of tomorrow coming through and we have a tension don't we today we have a tension we're in our third lockdown now and we have the tension between knowing the vaccines are out there knowing we're not there yet but also knowing that those we know and love um, are unwell or we're losing them or perhaps our jobs are feeling just overwhelming and I want to just share a really um, a simple story with you to start with, really, where when we came out of, I think it's the second lockdown, it was a very dark uh, day, um, just physically dark, I think, as much as anything. Um, a lovely friend from my community group put some bulbs in a bag and there's a family dropped them in, in my porch with a little note, just a simple note saying, Judy, spring will come. And it was such a lovely thing to say, such a lovely thing to do. And um, being quite an instant gardener, um, liking to see results very soon. Um, it was just bulbs in one sense, but it's what they represented that they will they will bloom, they will come out in springtime. So I rushed into the garden with every available space. And I'm never quite sure what's out there, but I... Um, filled up the space of earth that I still had, a couple of pots as well. And now I wait for spring. And um, we wait for spring, don't we, as a nation and as a world at the moment. But what was interesting about that is there were so many bulbs in this bag um, that I didn't have earth for them all, if you like. I didn't have space for them all. So what I did is I blatantly copied what my friend had done and I wrote a note saying spring will come. And I put a smaller bag, admittedly, of these bulbs in my neighbour's porch with the same message. And she was really blessed and she went out and uh, she put them in her garden. And now she and, uh, and Del and Sebi, they wait 
for spring to come, for those bulbs to come out. But the bulbs are there now, they're in there, they're growing, they're working, they're under the ground. And God has always been one who has always been working underground in the unseen. He's always been bringing us from winter into spring, if you like, as C.S. Lewis puts it. Uh, I love the Narnia books and particularly The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe where the, the country of Narnia is saved because they're, they're in perpetual winter. And then suddenly the thawing comes and Aslan, the Lion of God, comes and resurrection comes into that land of perpetual winter. And as you tune in today, you might think, well, Judy, it feels like perpetual winter uh, in my life, in my um, in my context. And for sure that that is how many of us feel. But spring has come in one sense, in, in the hope that we have and will come in the days that follow. Now, how do I know that? Well, when we when we look at these verses and um, as we turn to um, to Corinthians, the passage that Marcus read for us and um, Paul says um, in verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And what we do know at the moment, if we're believers in Jesus today, and maybe you're not, maybe you're just curious, but one thing I would say that the Christian faith is centred on is that Jesus has forgiven us. He has, in dying for us, made all things new. He has assured us that spring will come again, that hope is real. And he's done that in a way, it's almost like we had an account that was so much indebted that we knew that we'd done things wrong. We knew that we'd messed up. Maybe even in this time, we feel that we lack so much. And yet Jesus paid the whole thing off. If you like, he went into our account and made a massive down payment on back transfer and just said it's done. But even more than that, God then into that account paid righteousness, brought freedom, said that you and I are new every day, that we're redeemed, that we're reconciled. Now, God has always been reconciled to man through Jesus ever since Jesus died on the cross, but we then have this amazing reconciliation that we can accept that says we are his, we're forgiven. And once we recapture that, once we restore our wonder at that, and we renew our wonder at that, and I really feel that that's the call on us today, as we're so easily feeling despairing, maybe or broken, to say, restore that wonder as we go back to the future, as we reclaim the basics, as, as Tim said last week. Um, we, we do know that we are new, that we are being made new and that we are new, but also that we hold that hope out for those around us who really are in despair. We share spring with them, we share the hope with them that they too can find this freedom. And I have found more than any other time in my life, I can honestly say, I've had more people, neighbours asking for prayer who've never spoken to me before about faith particularly. But during the friendship of these days, uh, even at New Year, we, we removed a panel in our fence so that we could all be together, raising a glass to the New Year. And one of them messaged me and just said, let's leave that partition down for now because we're in this together. And then 
there is a sense of the partitions are coming down. We've got two alpha courses starting this month and they're filling up like crazy. And they're doing that because something new is happening. So when God says, see, I'm doing a new thing, do you not perceive it? Well, yeah, maybe we don't. But we can trust that he is working, that even in these bleakest of days, he is working for spring. He is underground. Imagine if those working for the Oxford vaccine and the other vaccine, if both of them had discovered a vaccine for COVID that was amazing and had said, well, do you know what? We are the lucky ones. We are the fortunate ones. Thank goodness for our knowledge and our science and our expertise. Let's keep that on the down low. Let's just have that for our very close friends and family. Of course they didn't. It would be immoral in the extreme if they did. But instead there was this cry, I found it. We found it. We've got it. There was this eureka cry, if you like, as a nation and then across the world. And we felt a pride. Uh, we felt it's come from the UK and that there was a real sense of that and is a sense of that. But imagine if that had been kept to itself. Imagine if those people hadn't stepped up and said, we found it. There's a lovely story that um, I read in a book by Jerry Sitzer, the second one of his books that I've read called Grace Reveals. And in that book, he talks about heaven in a beautiful way. He talks about his family always having a National Geographic calendar every year. And uh, those of you who know his story will know that he's lost um, almost his whole family once and has had to rebuild and watch God restore his life. But he said that the, the remaining family in his, his family now that he has his blended family, um, loved this uh, calendar. And there was one particular Californian scene with waterfall and with rocks and a cove and almost everything you'd want in a beautiful picture with sea and rocks and mountains. And um, they loved it. And it was of all the calendars over the years, the one place that they pinned to the pantry or the fridge or whatever. And they said, that's the place, that's the dream, that's where we'd love to, to one day be. And two years later, they were doing a road trip across California and um, Gerald's youngest son suddenly came running towards Gerald and said, I found it, I have found the picture. And in a kind of extraordinary turn of events, that he had found the very cove, the very rocks, the very waterfall that the picture depicted. He'd found the photograph, if you like, in reality. And he shouted, I found it. And the whole family went running and they said, we stood in the picture. The picture that for those two years had been pinned to their wall, if you like, was suddenly their reality. And he writes in the book that nothing could have even come close in the two-dimensional picture to the three-dimensional picture that they experienced, the beauty, the senses, the euphoria, if you like, of being where they thought they may one day, someday be. And he writes about heaven being like that, the hope of heaven being like that, that we've all got it pinned to our fridge, we've all got it pinned to our wall, however fragile at the moment. But one day we will stand amazed that it's so much better than we ever dreamt of. That actually this reconciliation that Paul writes about was worth it because here we are 
reconciled to God, not just now, but eternally. And I think when Paul's writing, he he commissions us afresh because he says, you found this, you're a new creation, the old is gone. You found this righteousness, you've had this given to you in exchange for the things that you did wrong. Now go and tell others, I found it. I found it. Now, at the moment, it's hard to go, isn't it? In a way, we're not allowed to go anywhere. Well, minimal anyway. But in a way, we can stay at home to go, can't we? We can use the WhatsApp group. We can use the messenger. We can use the card through the door or the the bulbs in the porch, whatever it is, to say, hold on. We have a God who is good, who is always working and who is always redeeming. And there are gold threads, if you like, through all of this in the compassion of the medics and the carers, in the kindness of strangers, in the coming together, in the almost boiling things down to what really matters, to what really, really is important. And Paul, as he closes uh, in this, uh, this passage, he says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though Christ were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God has made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So as we're followers of Christ, we're not saying we're any better than anyone else. We're saying we needed this transaction of sin and righteousness to receive his righteousness and to be forgiven uh, from our sins. Why? Because we live for a kingdom beyond this one. We live for that picture on the fridge, the war, the hope of heaven and the hope of a brighter tomorrow. And we hold out that hope. And funnily enough, just last week, I prayed specifically for one of my neighbours and got a text just this week to say, would you pray for me? And I think we can never underestimate that when our prayers may seem unanswered as yet, God is always, always listening. His door is always open. His ear is always alert. And there's so much hope, isn't there, both in the Corinthians passage, but also in those words in Isaiah. Because what does he say about the wasteland? You know, what does he say in the end? That there will be springs in the desert and in the wasteland. That what we now see is barren. There will be beautiful, beautiful redemptive story. And it's my core belief that for every one of us, however tragic, however hard, however hard pressed we may feel at the moment, that there will be streams, there will be springs that come of hope, of reconciliation, of depth that we have never known before. As a church, we would say that we're already seeing a bit of that, that if you like, the church may be shut down in one sense, but it's more open than it's ever been. And this message of hope is more available to all of you. And if you're tuning in today and you have a sense that where else can I go? I've tried everything else. I need a hope that is real. I want to say to you, One of the lovely things was seeing the Oxford guy who's been part of the vaccine research going and taking it for himself. In other words, saying it works. It works. I trust in it. And we who've been travelling perhaps a bit longer would just say to you, it works. You are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And there is hope not only for the way you see yourself, but there's hope for then how you see others. 
But as Paul says here, we would see others through the eyes of Christ. We would see them as he sees them, just sinners waiting for grace, waiting for redemption, longing for healing and wholeness that only Christ can bring. One of my favourite verses in the Bible, and forgive me if I quote it too much, but it's when Peter turns to Jesus and says, where else would we go? You have the words of eternal life. Let's pray together. Lord, as we go back to the future, as we go back to the basics of our faith, or for many of us, maybe as we examine faith for the very first time, we thank you that our debt is paid that that transfer has happened where you've cleared our account of all that we've done to hurt you, to wrong others, to hurt ourselves even. And instead, you've given us righteousness, you've given us freedom. And Lord, we're so amazed by that, that you would choose us for your glory to be revealed, for your hope to be shared. And we now claim again that commission of ambassadors to go out and share that hope, to share the spring bulbs, if you like, and say, hope will come, it's here in Jesus. And he is making all things new now and eternally. And Lord, we thank you for that picture that is at the moment we live in two dimensions, but one day we will fully be known and known by you eternally with you and that winter will have finally turned into spring. Our hope is in you, Lord God, now and forever. Amen. A poem by Gerard Kelly. The earth is still held hard in winter's heavy hand. Cruel fingers strangle into stasis the very life force of the land. Yet underneath the frost, our hopes remain. For those who have suffered loss, who wake to fear, glad to see the back of a mournful year. The earth itself speaks to our need. Patience, patience, trust the seed. No winter can resist the greater power of spring. And even now the clocks are ticking. Voices deeper than despair test the air. Rehearsing, regrouping, ready to sing. Underneath the frost, our hopes remain.